This is the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Podcast series. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital. Colonials of Europe become united And perestroika fills the streets I see the eagle on the shoulder of the bear Or maybe it's the other way around Is this the calm before the hellfire? Or is our tomorrow really heaven bound? But 99, hey, the blood flows in Bogota And from Beirut to Johannesburg, the rivers don't stop 99, hey, third world children still wander In their boats, their jungles, their deserts Until they drown, it is strange The more we change, rearrange Everything just seems the same as we move into the next century, 1998. Please make a liar of me. Oh, oh, oh. Twelve minutes after the hour is seven o'clock. Thank you so much for joining us on the second hour of the Power Breakfast Show on this July 27. 32 years ago, I tell you. Thank you so much, Avi. So much like. Gregory McBurney, but thank you, Amy. A black All right. man on the run. All right, so let's get the results of our morning poll, and I have a couple of minutes before I call my guest. There he goes. My All right, so let's get into again. the results, my friends. This time let's see what we got. Well, our poll this morning was, do you think the events of 1990 can happen again? We had 20 people voting in the allotted time. Of the 20 people, 11 said yes, 9 said no. Close, bro. Close. Don't How many people said yes, Richard? 11? 11 nine. said yes. Yeah. You could try, but the, the outcome will be different. Nobody nobody woke up with their hand in the air. No, no, no. Well, Gary Griffith was very clear. It's for that done. Now, woke up with your hand in the air thing, I'll tell you, this will be country and happening again. Oh, Run them block. block two seconds. <laughs> one shot, one kill. Yeah. Hmm. Run them block. I think the sub the country with your hand in the air. Okay. Wap wap. That is what they will be getting from Skelly Bang. Wap 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 wap. <laughs> Skelly Bang in the team. <laughs> getting more than Skelly Bang. <laughs> And how it is, how it is the man on TV on the Stevie, uh, Steve, you need to take off the music at this point. Oh, yeah. Knock the desk so. There we go. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let me try and see if I can get my guest now. I'm a little early, but let me try. I'm <laughs> 
It's the Agamasic deadpan look. Oh, he's very good at that, you know. God, yes, yes, deadpan he's look. Very, he's like, very good at it. It's like Trust Steve Kahn. I hope I do your damn job now. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't try to hear yes on the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, do, I don't think it's possible for that to happen again in, in the way it happened before. It's not the outcome is certainly not going to be the same. Yeah. Well, we'll, I, we'll I, certainly I, ask the new commissioner because we would have know, asked Gary. Basically. I know the um, the parliament is a lot more fortified. That doesn't mean insurgents can't try, but look. But then look at what happened in the US um, on January sixth and, Capit- and Capitol Hill. Capitol yeah. Hill. So yeah. you never know. You never know. That was like a coup, you know. An attempted coup, you know? It, it, it was an attempted yeah. coup. Yeah. Orchestrated by Donald Trump. Yeah. And encouraged by him. Yeah. And then stay 187 minutes and do nothing. And then say, mm-hmm. hey, you, you're telling, you are special and we love you. Yeah. He, <laughs> a, he, was, in a, he was in a I've room watching s- it. He was in a you room told them, you're spe- time to go home peacefully now. You are special and, I, and we love you. Yeah. After they run up on the Capitol and threaten to kill people and, and bong dong do thing, you're special and we love you. Yeah. If they were through that man in jail, nothing would have happened in the US again. Yeah, boy. US history. Because US it, history it, it, that, 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 if that was black and people running on the Capitol, but then they wouldn't have been the same outcome. I'm just telling you that. But I don't mm-hmm. know. I think some black people should have, should have joined him. Just for the no, sake of it. No, there were some black people. There were some black people. There were some black people. My Steve looks despondent, so. No, no, no he, he just needs five minutes. Two is not confined to one race, no? That's true. That's, That's true. true. Very well, That's so. true. But That's he true. said this, y'all are special, and we love you, but go home now peacefully. Mm-hmm. After they run up in the capital and break down, do and run inside and run through the place and dragging yeah. down flag and threatening people. people died. Yes. And the... Um, what's his name? The vice president's wife and 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 aide said they thought they were going to die. Yeah, they were forty feet and away. Called, and the, the staff were calling their loved one and saying, "We love you, goodbye." Mm-hmm. So so were they fearful for their lives? And the president is telling people he didn't never call the national guard, never call all the forces. You all are, you all are special. We love you, but wasn't he, in a, wasn't he in a room looking at it on some big screens? Yes, yeah. he and mm-hmm. Ivanka Trump. Is it Ivanka? Yeah, yeah, he daughter. What's his daughter name? Ivanka. 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 Right. As if it's normal, as like normal. Yeah, like they're watching a reality TV show. Like they watch yes. a reality TV show, and the people breaking down, hmm. going the poor, the poor um, guards fighting to keep them out. Yeah. And the president, so the commander in chief, sit down and then goes on TV and said, "You're special. We love you." Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get my lighting correct. I have to, maybe I have to turn. Well, if by now you know well, what to do, that's a conversation. Okay, just turn it. Right. Yeah, yeah, Paul, go ahead. You need, a, you need some wap wap. It looks so. <laughs> or maybe I get too much wap wap. <laughs> wap 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 wap. No, <laughs> I get it with no at the end, not with yeah. <laughs> well. You seem to like Bop Bop. <laughs> so, I get to the know at the end. Yes, um, I think the country is not as anxious around this time as it would have been 10 years ago, 15 years ago. We used to become very, very anxious leading up that, to July 27th. That's true. And, I, and any little thing happened, remember the jailbreak was around this time too, about yeah. eight years yes. ago? Yes, yes, and, yes. And all these yeah. things usually, that's, that's sort of weird things started happening in July. Way. You know, and 
the country has calmed down a lot. We recovered quite well, to be quite honest, because, I mean, when you looked at Port of Spain after that, with the looting and the fires and stuff, and the looting across the East-West Corridor and in some other parts of the country, it was really, really tragic. Mm. You kind of, I mean, you kind of could give Gary a little credit for that, thing. Because you remember... No, no, no hold on, no. let me finish. No, no, let me, no finish, let, no. Let me, don't be a no, Gary finish, hater no. this morning, no. I let am me Gary hater, but it's not Gary, no. Let me finish. I just said, when he became commissioner, he was very clear when you, when you asked him questions about that. Actually, just before he became commissioner and during his thing, he said that that wouldn't last two seconds under his watch. He said that. He used to say that openly. And I'm just saying, when you when you get people in authority saying things like that, it gives you a little confidence, not so? Well, a woman like war, you know. Well, let's hear. It'll be interesting to hear what McDonald Jacob says if we, because we're going to ask that question. We're going to ask him that question this morning. Do you, you think a 1990 question? could happen again under his watch? They could try. I'll go ask him. I'll go mm-hmm. ask him. And let me hear what he had to say. Let me hear him say, you're crazy. Two seconds after they go in there, they'll be out. I want to hear him say that. Maybe he might say three. Because remember when Abu Bakr had committed that terrorist act and he... He was purporting that Trinidad Tobago was to become an Islamic state, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what he, he was saying. He wanted, to, he wanted to be appointed Minister of National Security. Yeah, yeah. he said that Trinidad Tobago was going to become an Islamic state. And I was like, what? But you all are a minority of minorities. A mm-hmm. nutcase, that's what he was. Yeah, because, Must you know. You beg me to interview him? There are no. so many larger religions in the country rather for what? than Muslim. And you want to make Trinidad Tobago a Muslim state? But how was but, he I mean, to... it was so it was so to, to so many people it was so farcical. They thought it was play of the month, you know. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you what's ironic. Some, no, some saying. people actually thought it was a play of the month. Remember when Horace James used to do play of the month? Yes. They thought it was a play of the month going on on TTT when they see these people in Muslim garments and they saying, "Hey, look, play of the month on." Some people thought thought it was actually play of the month. They didn't I, think it was real. I don't know. No. I I. I didn't think it was real, but at the same time, because of where I live, I lived literally a stone's throw away from the Jamaat on Lockport Street. I I heard everything that was going on thereafter. You understand? So it was it wasn't a play demand for me. Trust me. Yeah, but people thought it was. Some, mm. be, some I, people. The ironic thing is that this man who held up the parliament shoot the prime minister in the leg, and then demand elections be called in ninety days. You don't get more crazy and stupid than that. Well, he was also going to install Dukaran as prime minister, not so? So how was he going to achieve the Muslim state with Dukaran as prime minister? I don't know. He was a nutcase. Yeah. <laughs> and he would, he must be appointed national security minister. Yeah. After you shoot up the parliament and bomb the police station? Yeah. I tell you, people beg me to interview that man for years. I said, no, there's nothing to ask him unless he's willing to apologize to this country. And admit what he did was terrorism and wrong. And he was never going to do that. So there was yeah, no was, point in giving him a, a platform he was too arrogant to, for that. to spew more nonsense. He was way too arrogant for that. And I, always, I have asked his son on several occasions, Fuad, do you endorse or denounce what your father did? My father is his own man. I say, yeah, answer the question. Though. No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. Maybe they'll do it now that he's dead. No, he won't. Mm. No, he won't. 
I think they were I think they were in awe and awe and a bit probably in fear of him. Eh? Yeah. Mm. He's never been denounced him, he never endorsed it. Because he knew yeah. that either denouncing or in, endorsing had serious consequences. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I said, well, what else we need to talk about? Your political ambitions? You can't talk about your political ambitions unless you talk about that. Mm. You understand? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, I said, and, and I, I will admit it's unfair to you because you're your own man, but you cannot divorce yourself from that legacy. Yeah. You can't. So, as much as I see you go around and, do, and you, you talk about the hardships of youth in urban areas, you have to answer. You have to say whether you endorse it or denounce it. And if you endorse it, say why you endorse it. If you denounce it, say why you denounce it. Well, Fuad, and I've had to say the same already, comes across as a little more provocative than his father. Eh? Not at all. You can't be more provocative than holding up the White House and shooting the Prime Minister. No, no. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking about lyrically. But guys will talk. Let's just talk. You know, well, let's talk. I, I would have hoped so, and I still hope so. It is talk. That is all talk. No pun intended. Dice has said I got talk. Mm. When you're trying to raise your so one, of the, one of the strange offshoots of that attended, attempted coup in 1990, for those of you under 32 and not you, Zina, um, is the, the fact that the television station went off air because it was only one at the time. It was mm -hmm. TTT. We didn't have several television stations. We only had one. Yeah. And then somehow they managed to um, um, intervene in the... Well, they managed to get them off the air mm -hmm. and they managed to intervene and started to broadcast their own messages, the people who weren't in parliament. Right. I think, I think Pantin was one. I can't, yeah. I can't. That, that is because the army and utilized... Bernard Pantin was program manager of TTT at the time. And they went to Cumberland Hill. TTT broadcast from Cumberland Hill and also from Coover. Mm -hmm. And when Abu Bakr took um, commandeered the newsroom and, and Mr. Cali, Dominic Caliprasad. They went to Cumberland Hill and took it off the air so as not to propagate the misinformation that Abu Bakr had taken over the country. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And NBS Radio remained on the air, which I remember, and they were passing the legitimate messages to the population through NBS Radio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So well, that, but, but that, is how, that is what happened technically. Another strange, another strange or curious um occurrence also during that coup is that they broadcast the little mermaid i don't know is what about, was available you know about 30 40 50 times even maybe as much as 100 times they just had the little mermaid um being broadcast a loop. on a like on a loop yeah. with it's ariel why, singing and, and I know people always ask, people ask why we in nbs radio kept playing kenny g because when you're working them, the, so the Kenny G sax, saxophone record that played so much mm -hmm. because it was the longest record available and the most benign. Yeah, it was longer than um, Earth, Wind, and Fire reasons. Yeah, okay. I always thought that that was the longest, and thing. and and. Songs with lyrics could have been interpreted in all kinds of ways. So playing an instrumental was the easiest thing to do. Mm. They must be I just think there. I just think that whoever is doing a movie of 1990 eventually, and of course there are many filmmakers um, emerging out of Trinidad and Tobago now, 
whoever is doing 1990, they need to include Little Mermaid. And that, <laughs> that Little yeah, Mermaid... Everybody writes to Little Mermaid. Yeah, that, well, I mean, I'm sure Disney will allow it. See, because, that's it. Because it because featured, it was, it featured as part of the 1990 coup. I, you know, I don't remember that, Richard. I don't remember that. Oh, I remember it clearly. Uh, <laughs> because you can't get a commission unless you're still on the phone as talk about the experiences. What, what I do remember from 1990 and during the ensuing curfew and so on, um, is that we as a family, because we, 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 we used to lime together so much. We started going about the country. So for the first time, we went to Azarite Nature Center. We went to Aripo. We went to Cora River. We used to just go, go as a family, as a group, to all over the country at that point in time. Because there was nothing to do after, 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 in evening time. So you had to do it during the day. You understand? And that's what we do. We that was a time of many curfew parties. I think Steve has the commissioner on. Yeah, I do have the Recording acting commissioner, please. McDonald Jacob, good morning to you, sir. How are you? I am I am okay this morning. All the time you're good and great, all of a sudden I got an okay? No, 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 no. <laughs> you, you, know, you know, just the words that you used, but the point is on the positive side, because as I said, I always have to remain on that side to deal with all the different issues that confront me. Mm-hmm. I don't, and I'm not buffing you. Mm-hmm. He accused me of buffing him the other day. <laughs> Commissioner, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you the first question this morning and then I'll hand over to my learned colleagues. And it is, it has to do with our poll this morning. Do you believe a 1990 can happen again in Trinidad and Tobago, especially under your watch? That, that is a, that is a sort of a very difficult question. You know, um, as we say, anything is possible, you know, but I believe that the way how the police service is now organized, together with our other security support, the defense force, and all the other agencies, I think no one will put it in the thoughts to attempt such an event again so is that a no so that is a no no in commissioner or the outcome will be quite different i'm sure <laughs> yes yeah. yeah the outcome will definitely and that's the reason why i'm saying that someone will think hard and deep before they will consider attempting something like that but, but don't you think don't you think we have people with more radical thinking than we would have had back then because uh, simply because of the crime situation that we see in pervading the country don't you think we have more radical and 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 and, and daring young men out there well they are um yes we we, we may but again when we look at our security services that exist then and now we are seeing that we are more prepared and more organized and the same way that you may have persons out there that you may consider in these contemporary times might be a little more radical the same way the security forces are well trained and equipped to deal with any eventuality commissioner 
is it a matter of anyway many many years ago coming up leading up to july 27th the security forces including the ttps would ramp up surveillance and ramp up intensify their their systems is that still done yeah that is still done on our we have a a, a greater intelligence network now you know working with the other agencies so the the question of just long time just mere presence all over to create um the necessary outlook that we will want to give that sense of security now it is more based on being intelligence driven because even though you may ramp up things and have and have, make it appear in a particular without the intelligence things can still go awry think about 1990 so our intelligence is at, at the top level so if there's any occurrences, we'll be able to get that information and deal with it in quick time. Have you ever picked up any 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 attempt um, based on your intelligence intelligence over the over the um, period? Well, well, from my basic um, information, there have been how do how we put it um, small groups chatters in relation to all different sort of activities. However, one of the main issues that exists in Trinidad and Tobago today um, is the anti-gang, is the gang violence situation and the gangs being involved in all different sort of activities. You know, we are so economically driven now that a lot of our situations is more on the economic side than on the the aspect of changing a government or taking over a country we are so economically driven that is what drives the criminal activities out there today do, 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 does the police at all monitor some of the comments being made on social media with regard to that sort of activity because quite a few people i mean you can't verify that that's their actual um, identification on, on facebook and so on have been making comments indicating things like this that it's time for this type of activity again it's time yes, for, for for a coup I, I, is yes, the police concerned at all about those comments yes we have been we have been seeing it and we have been monitoring persons the mask um assist them a lot because they hide behind a mask and they go out there and um you know in some instances when you check you see some persons basically some of them have some mental issues you know are different things we are on top of arguing with that um, as I, we don't monitor it alone. We have the other um, intelligence and security services that monitor those things also on the social media. We have a social um, media um, department, you know, our cyber and social media department who deals with the monitoring of that for the, on behalf of the police service. But there are also other agencies and things that are actually analyzed and, and put together. And uh, in some instances, we take the necessary action and that is how when we do the profiles of the individuals, we'll know who we are dealing with and we'll know who might be a threat and who may not be a threat. Hmm. So uh, the substantive reason we, we uh, invite you this morning is to, of course, discuss the documentary that will be launched this evening at Queen's Hall, put, uh, produced by the members of the TTPS called Code 727, which chronicles from the TTPS perspective the events of 1990, July 27, 1990. First of all, what does Code 727 mean in police language? 
Well, it is deals with situations where there is, in fact, some extreme emergency. And with that code, it will indicate certain actions that need to be taken on behalf of the police. You know, um, that is where we are at a, you know, kind of crisis stage. And and with that, certain activities will be, be implemented by the, by the police service. This event this afternoon... We don't want to, you know, take all the eggs out of the bag. But this this event this afternoon is really and truly depicting and hearing the conversation is a documentary with some of our officers who were directly involved in, for the first time, you'll hear directly from them in this documentary, who were directly involved in the incident at the parliament building and also the police, the then police headquarters, what we call the old police headquarters. So, you know, you'll be getting, you know, all the information about what actually took place from the police side of it. We heard from several different entities, the defense force, journalists, parliamentarians, but we never heard the police side. All we got information persons make fly jokes about the police concerning the 1990 situation so it is necessary that we we, we come out there and let the, the general public know the nation know the police side of it and what mm. what to why do it take no, 32 no, years for the yeah, police to feel the need to ask, tell their story yes, I know about the exact same question why 32 years later well well um i, I cannot uh, it is really difficult for to answer that. The the our Have you been there forty years? Yes, the corporate communication together with the administration and the police service at this stage, you know, so it fit in order to do this. It's something that I understand that um a lot of persons made attempts in order to do something like that and we decided this is the time and we will do it. And I, I, I decided it must be done. So, so, so what's so special? Risk. What's so special then about Joanne Archie and, and Michelle Lewis that they get they get to do um, what the police couldn't do in thirty two years? I, I I cannot answer that either. When you see and, and personalizing it, I choose not to personalize it. This is an this is something organized by the Trinidad and Tobago Police Service and the executive. It is not something that just came up a month ago. We have been working on it for a while now. The the victims of of, of this event, some of our um, retired officers, have been you know showing some willingness. Some of them did not show the willingness years ago to come forward. Now they reach the stage that they are willing, you know. And um, we felt that since we are getting that willingness, it is the right time um, to do it. And especially for our younger officers, because we we, we had we had it on Saturday for a lot of all the younger officers to see what it is. Because you know, as the question, you know, the question that you all ask, whether or not we something like this could happen again. And I said anything is possible, but preparation is the key, you know, and prevention is what you want to deal with. So we wanted the younger officers to be aware of what took place some of the positives, the negatives. So we, we already run the documentary with the young officers on Saturday. 
and now um, it will be for the general public this this evening. Commissioner, now without letting too much out of the bag, because I had a chance to see the first draft of it a couple of weeks ago, and it's really riveting television. What will surprise without letting? Because of course it will be aired this after this, this afternoon at Queen's Hall with the hierarchy of the executive and the country. What will surprise people most about this? And, I, and you mentioned the young officers and how they view it a while ago, but from the public perspective, what do you think the public will take away from this most of all? I think the public will really see the resilience and the commitment of our officers and seeing that the officers on them are human beings and the effort that they made in, in 1990, together with other with the other um, the other law enforcement agencies and the defense force, to quell a situation that existed in Trinidad and Tobago, you know, and what we had out there is information, and as I, I told you before, there were even jokes about certain situations about how the police responded. You know, and we will get a better picture, a true picture of what really took place. What, what was one of the jokes told? No, one of the jokes, and you will see it in the documentary, and one of the persons will be talking about it, where a police officer, senior officer, changed his uniform, and I was about to leave um, to, to, to go to his home, and the incident happened. And his uniform was formed at some location. And the joke is, is that he, as a senior officer, took off his uniform and ran down the road, you know, in fear. And there were no resistance from the police, you know. And um, you know, so and you know, and that that is a joke out there. And which mm. is not a tourism. Yeah. Know, how much? How much, Commissioner? How much does the documentary look at the? police officers who died, because I always remember Solomon McLeod, 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 who was the first McLeod. one to die. Um, yeah, and he was at the, I think he was the sentry at, 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 the, at the, the police headquarters. And I think he was actually the first person to die in that attempted coup when they ran, they shot him and ran over him and um, detonated a bomb in a car. And that has always been, um, one of those that, stories that, that, that a that, tragic story out of that attempted coup. Um, are those stories covered in that documentary? Yes, it will be reenacted. That actual incident will be reenacted by by persons like you know actors, you know, reenacted of of the situation. You know, um, yes, it will be. But what we are actually showing is not even as we mentioned, not even the the full full. Um, action of the police because we had action taken by the police in the south of Trinidad, in the north of Trinidad, but we choose to concentrate basically on the, the main two locations because I was a detective working in the southern region at that time and there were certain activities there and certain action taken by us, the police, and, you know, there were incidents where the defense force personnel from the southern region joined with us, together with officers who worked in the administration building in Port of Spain and couldn't have come to Port of Spain to work. And we had a whole cadre of officers out there with certain locations that we had to deal with with sympathizers 
we even had instances to look for a particular vehicle that we intercepted that was alleged to come to attempt to blow up the San Fernando police station. And there are other stories as it relates to what was done in another area in relation to the police and the defenses working hand-in-hand with the securing of the airport. There is a lot of of things that were not um, told, but in this documentary, we concentrated basically on the two main points, you know, in Port of Spain, that is the Parliament building and the old police headquarters. Commissioner, how many police officers died in that in that attempted coup? Two police officers. Two. Yes. That was this, the sentry, and where was the, where was the other one? Was the other one Gazapi? Yeah, at, at the yes, at the at the Parliament building. Was yeah, that the, the was that the driver or, or bodyguard of someone of the ministers at the time? I think. Yes, please. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say yes and make any mistakes. So as in yes, you know, but everything will be cleared um, this this afternoon, will be clarified this afternoon. Yeah. Okay. Now, certainly part of the reason is to, as you said, it's imbue with the younger officers, a sense of pride and history as to the resilience of the, of the TT police service. How and, and will this be used to help restore in the wider public, some level of trust and confidence. The police have been going through quite a bit of challenges lately in, in that regard. Well, well, we're hoping, number one, that it really, you know, build that a, a higher level of respect, you know, and confidence in the police. Yes, that is one. Number two, it is necessary that the, 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 the persons who are involved and who are alive today will also be, we can't, will be honored this afternoon. So, you know, I mean, they have secondary victims and think their families and think their, their, their children will be, be present, you know, and we will be treating them in a special way, you know, for the for the work that they did, the, 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 as I said, the, the resilience, you know, and their commitment. So that will be dealt with, and, and you know, that shows respect also for our, our officers and the job that they are doing. We believe at the end of the day, it will augur well within the community. Hmm. Will an opportunity be taken this afternoon, Commissioner? Because this is a question that we've been asking for a little while now, in terms of compensation for officers and the officers' families who have fallen in the line of duty. And will an opportunity be taken this afternoon to make presentations to them, maybe by way of that million-dollar check? No, well, you, you know, we do have retrospective um, um, activities and, and laws, you know, um, you, when you look at when the incident happened. And, and that is something that is beyond us in relation to um, government decisions, decisions made by the government of $1 million or so of um, who died in the line of duty, and that was after the fact. I, um, you know, we are con- we will be be doing something here, but it is something that can be taken in consideration. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I'm I'm saying that the even the officers. I, I I know that it wasn't in place then, but even the ones who would have fallen in the line of duty since the decision was was made. Have they ever received that check and, and, and at all? Again, the officers and them were falling in line of duty, from my understanding, 
is that there may be one or two who were in fact compensated. There, there is a procedure in relation to it. You know, the normal thing, you know, you have to depend on letters of administration and to, to be done, you know, to ensure that you give the, the right person the, the finance. The Ministry of National Security handles that. And I haven't heard any complaints concerning from families in relation to that aspect. Because even though some may not have received it yet, they may understand the procedure that needs to be followed. Yeah. Okay. All right. Is there any reason is there any reason why um that the police would have gone for a softer look and maybe a softer tone with the people they have now championing the cause of the public information going out to the public? You, you, you need to you need to with, with Miss Archie and Miss Lewis, is that is that a deliberate is that a deliberate attempt by the police to give a softer look and a softer tone to how they interact with the with the public? Because we we know the people who have been interacting on behalf of the police in the past have mostly been male male officers. Is that a deliberate attempt? Is that a deliberate effort on behalf of the police? Well, well, number one, if is that what it is doing, it is a positive. But I don't think when the decision was made, we sat down and we say, you know, we want to do X. So achieve Y. What I can say is that Ms. Archie is now operating as a consultant, contrary to what I saw on some other newspaper, is operating as a consultant assisting um, in, the, in our corporate communication. And Ms. Louisa, um, as the, she was already an ambassador operating, and is also um, qualified in the area of, uh, of communication. So it so happened that that um, she was, in fact, because of her rank and her expertise, you know, I don't know if you know her history and her family history in that area, um, we felt it was right to put her. And then Miss Archie, who understands both sides of it, the police service and how it operates, and... Uh, Having her masters in corporate communications, it, 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 we felt I felt that this thing was the right fit for the Trinidad and Tobago police service and going forward. Okay, can we it would be remiss of us not to have you on uh, and not ask you if you can give us any updates on the investigation into the shooting of the three young men by police or the, the, the men who dead, died at the hands of police uh, from the Beatham recently, and also the infamous body cam situation. Well, you know, the body comes, number one answer, that, that, that is ongoing. Um, I have people doing the training in Tobago right now, right? Today is what, yeah? Yeah, I think yesterday, they did the training in Tobago, and they will carry the 100 body cams to Tobago, so that is being done in Tobago. And uh, last week, other persons were trained, and, hand, um, and body cams were handed over. We will do in a, a short um how the body cams work. It will be, we will be put out there how, um, how long does this training take up per officer no that just that, that just take approximately about two hours to the most the first thing is, is, is the dealing with it as some people said it's simplistic but what happened you want officers also to understand the philosophy behind it the value of it so a part of the training is not just how you put it on how you take it off how you put it in the docking system but also there's a part of it where you'll bring the officers to that understanding and appreciation of uh, 
the tool, how it can be used, how it can benefit them, you know, what 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 how it fits in in the in the whole aspect of policing and the the criminological aspect, you know. So you'll have that part of that carry part of it. Uh, are you are you suggesting and I could be totally wrong that it's not mandatory? Or it, uh, the officers have to be convinced or encouraged to wear body cams? No, it is mandatory. But as you will know, that the psychology behind something is very important. And when persons have an understanding and appreciation of it, you will get that indirect, total, in, in, uh, intrinsic willingness to do it. And they will appreciate what they have. And they will also convince others. Because we came in with the body cams and as anything new, there will be some measure of resistance and some people believe that it might be a negative to their activities. And in some quarters that was put out there, like if the body cam is something negative to the police, while it is something positive. So knowing that, we need to deal with that aspect of it, even though right, it is a simple tool to use. We had something called GPS handset that we had officers using, and it is so valuable to them even when they go in forested areas where they can do journey to crime. They can, if at one point they can in fact find where they, they, they came from, and it wasn't being used effectively. And it's only when we started to do the theory part of it, showing them the value of it, how, they, how it can be used to their benefit, then you got an increased use. You know, in, in in a positive way with the with with the GPS uh, um, handset. Yeah, but commissioner, but commissioner, former re- recently retired um, officer Sheridan Hill said in a in a, one of the press conferences press conferences that it is not law for police officers to wear um, body cams. It's not part of the law or the police regulations. It, it is not. Part Has that of changed? It is not part of the police regulations, but the police don't operate only on the police regulations, which is laws that is in pa- passed in Parliament. We have our standing orders and our departmental orders, which are rules made by the Commissioner of Police with the executive that the officers and them need to follow. And if they don't follow it, they will be dealt with departmentally. The regulations is different where in some instances it could end up being a, um, an offense where someone could even be charged in the open court. But our our standing orders and our departmental orders are there that the police officers have to comply with. So that's not, that kind of technical talk about whether or not this is law, if the answer if it is law, it is not in the, the law in our regulation per se. But it is in our rules because we have a standing order that governs the use of the body cams. And if persons violate it, you know, they will be dealt with. And it is also linked not with the body cams alone, but also the dash cams in the vehicle and what are the requirements. How many body cams cams does the TTPS have at this point? Active. Active, well, the well in first instance, the TTPS have one thousand one hundred and about sixty body cams. At present, there are about 
600 officers now fitted with these body cams to use from the last time we spoke and the training that was done. I think the last time I gave you all 409-something, and then we reached the 558, and now we are around 600. When the training is completed in Tobago, there will be an uh, added number. So as we are going along, we are hoping, and I made the promise that by the end of August, we should cover, right? If not all, but at least a thousand and more in relation to persons using the body cams. So as we speak now, 600 officers are wearing body cams. Right, throughout Trinidad and Tobago, yes. Are these in high-tension situations or traffic situations or both? Well, we mainly look for our frontline officers. And we had, as I mentioned to you all, we had some challenges where, like, where some of our task forces were located in order for our IT people to run and do the necessary technical work because some of them may not be directly in some um, technological wired locations. I will give you an example. We have persons in a place called Lions Gate in Central, where our task force function from together with the defense force in order that they can have close proximity to that enterprise Londonville area that we have incidents of high level of violent crime. That is not um, a, a police facility per se. So therefore, our IT now have to go in and do some work there to ensure that the task force that is going there to do patrols in Central Division, right, is in fact fitted with the body cams with the docking system and so forth. So we have those challenges. i just give you one example. But we are in fact doing things to, cor- to correct it. In most of these stations, you will find that there is, in fact, already wired and it's just to do some simple movement in order to ensure that we have um, we are in readiness to do it. But there in some locations where we have the task force, we also have our task force and operating out of a center in uh, St. Joseph, you know, St. John's Road, where you have the defense force and the police work from there together to deal with patrols in the hills of Tunapura and El Dorado, you know, and that is a makeshift center that will not be wired accordingly. So, you know, that is where the extra will come in to ensure that these officers, when they return, they can, in fact, uh, have the docking system, everything there. So we are trying to deal with the challenges. We have several locations like that. We have St. Bob's in, up in Lavantil where we have um, tasks also working out of also, you will have the same challenges in those locations. So because of having um, reasons to pull persons out of the basic stations to be placed in certain hot areas that they can respond in a particular manner, we will have, we, we are encountering those challenges, but we are dealing with it. Commissioner, how many police officers um, um, currently make up the TGPS? Well, we have about 7,000, but we have about 5,600 active. You know, we'll have persons who are on vacation, sick leave, injury leave, you know. So we have active about 5,600 um, uh, So active. by the end of August, one-fifth of the police force will have body counts. Yeah, um, one-fifth of the active police service. And is that, uh, yeah, because you're saying a thousand, 
So it'll be one fifth of the five thousand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Average of one fifth, yeah, and we. At, at all... any point, do you expect to cross fifty percent? Well, as we go into the new um, budgetary period, we are going to um, get additional body cams. So what we are going to do is that every every year we'll try to improve on the number of body cams that we back up with. We will want to get at least, as you, you are correct, at least 50% of our officers need to have body cams because about 50% of our officers are really and truly frontline officers who are patrolling in the ER, in the ERP, in the higher patrol, in the task forces, and even persons in the CID. We, have, we, have, we also have given um, body cams to some of our persons in the specialized areas because when they are going to search warrants and things, whether even though are white-colored crime investigators, it is very good that they have body cams that they can use. So it wouldn't be necessarily one individual officer, but that particular uh, section will be given a certain number yeah. you know, so that when they, because they are not frontline, they more do, you know, the background investigation, but at times they will need to go and execute search warrants, you know, and they will be without the body cams to wait out. Commissioner, I'm glad you raised the issue of white color crime because it's, it's a message that I got from one of our ardent listeners, a senior, a senior businessman in, in the country. In terms of an update on what's happening with white color crime, because a lot of time we focus on blue color and these you know, the, what's happening in the communities. What about white color crime? An update on that. Well, our white color crime unit, the financial investigative um, um, unit, the ECIB, uh, anti-corruption bureau and the fraud, so have been doing a lot of work. They have been charging a lot of persons, a lot of production orders. They have charged several persons for money laundering, and they continue doing the work. Why, why, why they are not getting traction that they should get with the amount of work that they are doing? There are some high-profile white color time investigations that are still outstanding to be completed. But as they go along doing those investigations, there's a lot, a lot of outcomes. Um, I think about... Why is this being made public? Yeah, and there's been about six weeks ago, we had our persons on press conference on the white color time unit, the ACIB. So like sometimes when we run it, we need to run it again because we had a press conference, we had the head of the ACIB, and the financial investigators who are fraud there, and they, they mention all the work that they, they did. You know, and all it takes to take away from that is one question asked after the press a brief, um, the official press brief, and they ask one question and someone says something, and everything else in the press brief will, will dissipate, and that's one question and answer is what might be carried in the news. So I will talk, you know, there's something else to be talking to Ms. Archie about because we will let our people come forward and they will give a lot, a lot of information concerning all the work that they are doing, highlighting it, you know, some of the issues that they're having with production orders, some of the challenges that they're having with some of the institutions that supply, have to supply, supply information, you know, because documentary information that is needed. And they will come there, and at the end of the day, it's just one questioner, a reply, and that is it. So we now, from our public communication side, have to know how to counter that so that the message will be out there with the sort of work that our white-colored crime um, 
um, departments are actually doing. They are doing magnificent work. And what I'm looking forward to, in order for us to really have true police legitimacy, in the last meeting I had with them, I told them, yes, we cannot look for, um, you know, sacrifice the whole aspect of speed for accuracy. But it is necessary that we bring things to closure because it interferes with our police legitimacy. And it might appear that we are only concerned about the conventional street crime. Mm-hmm. While we know as a fact, that a lot of the white-colored crime is fueling some of the street crime, and there's a direct link in some instances of who's supplying, you know, um, the financing and things like that. So that is the reason why. Yeah, but you know, know, Commissioner, we have heard that for years and years and years. So saying this sentence doesn't make it more real for us and doesn't make us feel more confident that that's being dealt with. We've heard that for decades white color crime is fueling this and there is a link and the country has always been dissatisfied that those links have not been closed. Mm. So what makes you saying it now any different to what has been said before? Well, I, well, I definitely have to say it and I, because I have the confidence that we will, in fact, be bringing to the justice and we have done so in the past and um, we'll need to come forward and highlight it even more because, as I said, it's about way of when these things happen. It's, just, it's suppressed in some instances, but um, I will, we'll need to highlight it because we have done good work within the last few months and things, but a lot of things is not highlighted how it should. So we will, in fact, do that. But there is a direct um, link, and we are looking at following the money and we know once we follow the money, the, our FIB will tell you about how much um, under the Proceeds of Crime Act, you know, the amount of matters that we have um, in court where, where we, we seize um, and how many production orders we have done. You know, I will let them come again in a press, a press brief and let you know. Well, you, but you know what you're talking about updating on those issues? It's a conversation that we have a lot of the times on the Power Breakfast Show. The issue of so many crimes that take place that are of concern to citizens and we never know what happens after. The TTPS doesn't give us an update of whether people have been captured or not. So it just goes into this murky fog of not knowing what has taken place. A perfect example is the two guys that we saw breaking into the car on Arapita Avenue, which of course is a major liming spot for so many Trinidadians and Tobagonians across the country. And here was a crime of opportunity, of brazen opportunity, where people broke windows to get access to a vehicle. And we just know nothing of whether there has been ramped up patrols on the Harapita Avenue, because it, it is a area of a lot of leisure. And, and, and yes, of course, business it, it, and, but, and business. But, but, and, and we just never heard anything. And, and there's so many examples like that where that disconnect happens. And we're just not sure whether the police is even ramping up um, patrols because of it, whether the people have been captured. We'd have, we know nothing. Mm-hmm. No, there are two issues that it dealt with there. The following up and the feedback in relation to the persons who were charged. Right? And that I know that... Um, you and Archie and others, they are listening, so that we we have the information. We need to come up with a with a way that we can highlight those things. And just last week, 
the senior superintendent in charge of police pain division and the superintendent in charge of municipal police. I mandate them to go on the press, the press um, conference where they, they were in fact, they, they had the responsibility to highlight to the, to the nation and, and especially the villages in Port of Spain and Woodbrook of what they are doing in order to redress some of those issues. So the pre, that press conference that was done last week dealt with that whole aspect and how we have ramped up things in relation because you know Arapita Avenue have returned to the Arapita Avenue that we knew before. And there's a lot of activities taking place. And even at this point, the residents are complaining about the high level of noise and, and activities that is existing there. So they were mandated and they came on the press race. And they I, I remember that. I, I remember yeah. seeing that. Um, but, but there's another there's another um, case, Commissioner, where the reporter, uh, the media personality, was knocked down while cycling around the savannah. The car was traced. The owner of the registered owner of the car was brought in for questioning, but we have heard nothing again about that case. Yes, again, you see, the investigation is ongoing, and we are tied between a rock and a hard place. I will tell you why. The public need information, but we have to be careful with what information we put out there when an investigation is going on that can, in fact, depending on what is released, can hamper the matter when persons or if persons are charged and placed before the court. So therefore, you know, you need to set things and we have to be able to let the public know, yes, the investigation is ongoing, but the information that we put out there, we need to be careful, you know. Mm -hmm. And we are all always cautioned by the DPP in relation to that aspect of releasing information concerning the investigation that can hamper the matter when it is before the court. So yes, mm. we know the public needs to get the information, but we have to balance things. So that is the reason why you need people, that is the reason why you need people like, like, like Ms. Archie and them to come on board who understand this thing well and will have to find the right balance in the releasing of the, of the information. Mm. So I take what you are saying, but we need to really strike a balance that some way that we can provide constant updates, but not to interfere with the yeah. ongoing investigation. Before we close off, Commissioner, could you give us an update too on the firearm users' licenses and where we are with that? Because we've been hearing a lot of talk um, concerning the resumption, and then we hear a lot of talk concerning what yeah, may have happened in the past. And I just and a lot of the talk. That you may be, a lot of the talk that we may be hearing is a lot of lies. You know, persons deliberately is going on social media lying about a lot of things concerning the police service, and I and I and I and you know I can't see. You know, they know what they're getting out of it. The firearm section has been opened fully since the thirteenth of June this year. The the audit that was being done has been completed and the report has submitted. We are operating, but they also deal with the pepper spray, where we are dealing with the whole aspect of making sure we get it digitized so a lot of the issues can be done online to the firearm section. I called 10 persons to be specially trained, and I placed them in there in the month of 
June to add to the staff who are there. The persons who were doing the audit who were working there, they were very concerned about COVID-19. So I had a, a sort of less staff there. But when they move out or even out to include the 10 additional persons, we also deal with the supplemental police part where you deal with all the security companies and so forth. Well, that have been operational since in that aspect has been operational since in March. Right? And then we were also doing other work in relation to persons who in fact got the provision, provisional permit that was there from since last year. Um, probably if you make a call earlier, how many of them have gotten through for the year so far? Because there's over a thousand more activities I have done in relation to the firearm section. But the persons who wish to continue saying that nothing is happening, um, you know, I don't know why, but I said they are, the, uh, they are fully operational. They had some issues that person said they're calling and they, um, in fact, they didn't get through because the line constantly busy. I am now making arrangements with our I, um, ICT section and think for to put in at least another two lines there and have somebody directly dealing with calls coming in instead of the normal workers so we deal and provide a proper service to the general public. However, we are pushing forward to put most of our things online so applications and things can be done online and the same thing like what we dealt with the, the pepper spray. So we want to modernize it and there are recommendations made by the persons who did the who did the audit, you know, and there are some other work being done by the ministry to assess what we need to digitize our operations and we have a um, software called Gunkeeper that will now make things much easier. So we have persons trained in that aspect and with our ICT department. So all that work is being done there to get everything operationalized in an effective manner. Mm. Well, Commissioner, as we end the conversation, I just wanted to know um, whether the app and whether the online reporting system that was introduced prior to your tenure is still active. Can people still report um, crimes online? And is the app still active? Well, I am not too sure which app you're talking about, but I can tell you about it. You'll have more than one app? Right? Yes, there may be more than one app, but I will be referring to hopefully the same app that you are talking about. Now, we have the different ways of reporting. There is an app that you can call in and make, um, you, you, you can in fact go online and make a report. When that report is made, the police still need to do all the follow-through. They still need to come and interview, right? It comes like if you just give basic information. That app is very, very um, vital to us in relation to that. But when an analysis was done of the app over a six-month period, there were approximately three reports of a major, let us say, a major crime. But all the other reports were, in fact, dealing with loud music and minor, minor issues. It was causing us approximately... 400 and something thousand per quarter for the maintenance of that app. I decided not to continue with that app because when I do the course analysis, you know, it was affecting us because of what we're getting out of it. We need, I have the ITC people looking that when that contract may end, 
very soon. We are using it, but when the contract ends very soon, we will not be renewed. We're looking to see whether or not we can get something more reasonable to continue with such an app. Yes, it is important to us, but course analysis must be done. Mm. So, But minor offenses often lead to major offenses. So why are you sounding dismissive of minor offenses or what you are construing as minor? Because a lot of those neighborhood issues, which is what I think you are referring to, where people are saying loud music and stuff, you refer to it as minor, and you kind of seemingly brushed it off. Um, But they can lead to major major incidents. I I tend to agree and disagree with you. And our court, uh, our cohort analysis have we have done, and we see minor offenses as develop into serious offenses. So what you are telling me. We are aware of that as law enforcement officers, but an app is not the only way and means of persons making reports. We have several other ways and means. And one of the first things that persons normally do when they have, we tell them, call 999, and that report is done unregistered. We, 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 we distribute all the station telephone numbers. A lot of the instances, persons may choose to go into the station. There are several different ways in which the app is just another added way of making reports. So to make the statement that if we are not really concerned will be unfair because there are several other ways and means of making reports. The app is not the only one. And we have mm-hmm. been existing from since 18-something, and we have been using other methods. We now introduce 555, right, as another way to call. We have... 800 tips. We have five different ways in which persons can make reports to the police. The app is just carried to fix. Mm. So therefore, all the actions that we have done in the past in relation to looking at our cohort studies concerning incidents, it comes from, and in most instances, when we analyze our 999 report, you will see in some instances about 60% 60% sometimes tend to be um, crank call. When we reach the point of getting the actual report on our records management database, there is where the analysis can be done in any sort of effective way to show validity and reliability in the reporting when the officers now will go and interview. You will call and say, I, I was just robbed on Richmond Street. And when the officers and them go and investigate the report, in our language, is a larceny from the person where somebody snatched something from you and run away. But in your terms, it will be a robbery. Now, that now will go onto our database. And that is where now our analysts can do the analytical work done, to be done, in order for us to know the number of robberies larceny from the person. And then they will now do the profiling to see if it is the same person who may commit the last me from the person who may have been committing the robbery. So our records management database is in fact the foundation issue for us to do our analysis to decide on the report. We have serious crimes, minor crimes, minor offenses, and other matters. And all those things have to reach our records management database. So our app is just another way of making a report on, online, but then the investigators must do what is required 
and then they do the coded forms that goes onto a records management database where all the analytical work can be done. Mm. Commissioner, right. is it can can people contact you personally? What is the best and easiest way to do so? Is it via WhatsApp or email? Via via WhatsApp and by email because you know our email is cop at ttf.gov.tt. Mm -hmm. So yes, that is where we use it easily. Cop at ttf.gov. But that that email is not personal to you. That'll be read by other people. Well, that email is personal to me and two of my staff members who work directly out of my office. Okay. All right. Um, Thank you. Commissioner, just, just before I go, I just want to say one thing. Uh, two things. Uh, I, um, I had the opportunity to call 999 a couple of times, about six weeks ago, two months. I was put on hold. That is one. Two, when I made that call, I had a police officer um, call me back 15, late, 15 minutes later to ask me what it is I reported. And I said it was just some... Um, some fellas throwing stones at cars and they were fighting and so on. Um, that time, that that I had enough time to go home, change, have a cup of coffee, and and then for them to call me. I think that needs to be revisited, especially when you're calling nine 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 to um, to be put on hold. But the other part of it, kudos to the TTPS. Uh, we know someone who car was stolen on Friday evening between the hours of six and nine p.m. and on Friday night. They, the car did not have GPS tracking, but the police actually found the car. So kudos to you and, and your team on that. And last evening, there was an armed robbery in the Curep Southern Main Road. And the police actually apprehended the individual and the firearm. So kudos to the TDPS on that. Yeah. I'm thanks so much. And I want to give kudos to my traffic and highway patrol persons too. Because within the last two months and running new interceptors exercise, you know, virtually, if I just awarded them last week, where there are something like 23 interceptions so far, where they got 8047 pistols, drugs, in relation to our new system that we are operating on the highways and by, you know, and I could to them also to run a system. So within that, we have been very successful in interceptions and response time have been tremendously in the method that we are using to get more vehicles and, uh, and trained up the field persons, you will see more and more positive things um, coming up. In relation to the 99, we are working hand in hand with the ministry that the upper, our, our um, E999 operational center is, is linked directly with the Ministry of National Security that have a better say in that um, operational center. We are working with them in order to remedy that problem. We're talking about a few seconds or a minute delay means a lot. So the system that they are using where the operator takes the call and then translates our police officer who is there, then to, we, we, we are looking to, to iron out that because we got a lot of complaints about that, that method of operating. Wonderful. And they need to tell people and pull over people when they're driving slow on your right lane. Yeah, well, I, well, I, I used to experience that a lot coming from south. Yes. And, uh, common sense ain't all that common, apparently. Yeah, it's something that we broadly... Pull uh, them over. Charge yeah, them. 
control up on, on that because it's a lot of problem and, and back up on the obstructing highway. traffic and that that that, that come like dangerous driving too you know you can fall into because of what it caused persons to be bobbing in and out and doing all sort of things and creating problems right so, so people have been alerted in relation to it we even use the cctv and show them situations and how it is affecting the the, 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 the traffic flow. Lovely. So I would I would look forward to seeing some some police vehicles pulling over cars telling them to go to the left. I look forward to seeing that. Yeah. Wait, Commissioner, all right. could you repeat the email address for me? Could you repeat the email? No, COP. COP? At TT. C O P at T T P S dot gov dot T T dot T T or you can do in McDonald dot J Uh huh. At TPS dot gov dot T T. That is the one I alone and alone will see. Well, now your email is going to be flooded. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Mister Commissioner. Yeah. You know, to, to, to take, to take um, reports, complaints, and things from, and to provide proper service mm. to the people in the nation. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, right. your, yes. your, your predecessor gave out his cell number and had about 3,000 messages every day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I'm sure you could do better. No, it would be very difficult for you to um, manage that and manage the police service. So that is the reason for the emails and some people will send WhatsApp who have my number, but we have a different system. Do you have our office number here? 623 8428 and 8429. Would it get the commissioner's office? So that number is also available. 623 Alright, thank you very much. So, so now no, no, you can message jab, back the people that message you. Just now. I didn't escape me, eh? <laughs> Alright, Commissioner, I know we, we you spent a lot of time with us this morning and I, I want to thank you for um, being with us this morning. I, again, you want to reiterate uh, this afternoon or this evening, I don't know what time. Yeah, well, this afternoon at 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. 6 know. p.m. Yeah, 6 p.m. Yeah, no, it's be uh, 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 you know, you police will get the opportunity uh, to be involved in the 1990 coup to identify exactly their role and functions and what took place. I think it will will be something worth a documentary worth looking at. All right, and this is so going to be unveiled at Queen's Hall, I believe. Yes, at Queen's Hall at 6 p.m. Yeah, wonderful. Um, Commissioner Jacobs, I want to thank you so much for being on the Power Breakfast Show. Always accommodating, and I do appreciate it. No problem at all. And I won't buff you next time. <laughs> <laughs> all the best to you. Take care and be safe. Bye. Yeah. All righty. All the best. All right. Of course, that was Acting Commissioner of Police, uh, McDonald Jacob. Thank you for choosing Power 102 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.